Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Psalm 90, verse 1 to 12. Hear the word of the Lord. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. For, your, for we are brought to an end by your anger. By your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? So, teach us to number our days, and this is the key today, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days as we go into 2024, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Now, as you know, Pastor Mike is out this week, and he should be back in the office tomorrow and preaching again next week, Lord willing. When, uh, when um, Ray announced this morning that I was going to be preaching today, I noticed a smattering of applause. <laughs> so we're, we're happy that Pastor Mike is back next week. I'm just joking. Anyways, often when I preach, I'll follow whatever is next in his sermon series. However, it's the beginning of a new one next week, and since he is the senior pastor... He wants to start it out on his own, and, and I don't blame him. So he said, Pat, you know, Greg, preach on whatever, whatever you want to this week. So I was like, oh, all right, that, that puts a lot of pressure on me. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, last week, Alicia and I and the boys, we went home um, where I grew up to New England. And my dad is a pastor up there at a church called Hope Church. And we were giving an update on Ben while we were up there because they've been praying for Ben as well. And by the way, Ben, his testing numbers came back well, so he's doing well right now. So amen. Thank you for that. <laughs> He's probably embarrassed that I mentioned him. All three of my boys are on the camera today, so you better do a good job, okay? That's right. Make me look good. <laughs> Anyways, we went up there, and preaching that week was my former youth pastor, who had a big influence on me growing up and kind of drove me into ministry. He goes, I'm sorry, Greg. I'm sorry that happened. But anyways, preaching was my youth pastor, and he was preaching on Psalm 90, the verses that we read through today. And he gave a great message on what the psalm meant for the upcoming new year, and I thought, hey... Maybe I could preach from that psalm as well because it really does apply to all of us as we move into the new year. Now, don't worry. I didn't just copy and paste a sermon, all right? I didn't go on there and record a sermon and copy and paste it. This is brand new. But the major point, verse 12, is the same. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Now, he took the whole psalm we're only going to be covering the first 12 of the 17 verses today. But here's what I want us to see. In these verses, as we go into 2024, we see a beautiful contrast 
between the eternal nature of our God and the transient nature of our lives. A contrast between the eternal nature of God and who he is and the transient nature of our lives. And here's what I want us to remember as we, go, as we move ahead. We serve a God, and Moses starts with this. Moses wrote this psalm, as we'll talk about in just a second. Moses starts with this, and he talks about a God, and we realize this, who is eternal, perfect in all his ways. Our days are numbered here on earth, and we need to live knowing that our days are numbered here in this life, and by living with this mindset set in wisdom, we will gain wisdom as we carry on into 2024. So it's a very, very powerful psalm in that aspect. So let me give you a little background of Psalm 90, because Psalm 90 is the only psalm in the Psalter that is attributed to Moses, but it's not the only piece of poetry Moses ever wrote. So some of you Old Testament scholars, or if you went to Sunday school and you've read through the Old Testament before, realize there are two other songs of Moses in the Bible. One of them is the hymn the Jews sang after their deliverance from Egypt and the drowning of the Pharaoh and his army in this Red Sea. And if you want to go home after church, you can check out Exodus 15, 1 to 18. It's a great passage to read through. And that was a song of praise. The other was the song Moses recited to the people before his ascension of Mount Nebo, where he died, and again, if you want to read more about that, we're not going to read it today, but that's in Deuteronomy chapter 32, quite a few verses, 1 to 43, but that was a sad, somber song. So we have a song of praise, and we have a sad, somber song that we see in the book of Deuteronomy. And as far as Moses writing this psalm, there's no reason to doubt that it was written by, by him, and I say that because there are some scholars out there that say, yeah, you know, it probably wasn't written by Moses. Look at, look at, the, look at how it's written, look at, look at the form, all that kind of stuff. But most scholars do believe that the evidence points to him writing it, and that's important because, again, most likely, as he was composing this psalm, he was remembering some things that were going on in his life and if you want to read more about that, you go to go to Numbers chapter 20. Because it's most likely that Numbers chapter 20 is the context for the verses and the psalm that we're reading today. Because in Numbers chapter 20, three key events took place in the life of Moses. Three very, very key events. Number one, his sister Marion died. Number two, and this is a famous story we hear in Sunday school often, Moses sinned in this chapter by striking the rock in the wilderness. This is a big event in his life. And it was a big sin, right? Quote, all sins are important and um, uh, big. But it was big because it kept him, what? Out of the promised land. All right, so there he is. He's wandering around for about 38 years now. He strikes a rock and he can't go in the promised land anymore because he was impatient with God. And number three, the third key event that took place in Numbers 20 was Moses' brother Aaron died. And we know just how important Aaron was to Moses. But remember this. As we read Psalm 90, one commentator recognizes that it's a very realistic song, and I quote, not one of bitterness, but one based in the reality of life. Not one in bitterness. So as you read through this, Moses isn't bitter. He's basing his thoughts and his emotions on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that's coming to him 
on the reality of life, a life well lived by Moses, but, of course, full of sin as well at times. So here's the key. As we think about our New Year's resolutions, as we make plans, as we make changes, as we resolve to keep some things the same or do things differently, I've already resolved to, to lose 20 pounds, so we'll see how that goes three months from now, right? We need to do so within a certain frame of mind. And as my former youth pastor pointed out, we need to do so within the context of verse 12. As we number our days, we gain wisdom. As we number our days, we'll take a look at what that means in just a minute, we gain wisdom. In other words, as we recognize our frailty, our mortality, and grasp God's grandeur, his goodness, and his eternality, our lives will be more centered and we will gain wisdom. So that's where we're going today. So let's take a look at the first point here, verses 1 and 2. Let's read it together one more time. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now what's the first thing that we notice about this psalm? What's the first thing that Moses is doing here? He's remembering this above all else. God's eternality and his grandeur matter the most. This is the most important thing because it puts everything else in context. Verse 1 reminds us that the Lord has been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Not just one generation. Not just what we often think of our own generation. Some of us, for history begins when we were born and that's it. We don't remember anything else. But God has been there from generation to generation. Not just in the ones that we can remember, but from Adam all the way up to us. From hand, the hands of time before he created the earth till eternity present. Before the world was formed, who existed? God existed. He is from everlasting to everlasting. And this truth is a source of comfort. It's a source of assurance. In a world of uncertainty and change, which we will experience again in 2024, God remains unchanging and eternal. We know there's a lot going on in the world right now, don't we? There's wars. There's the Israeli conflict. There's the Ukrainian conflict. Pastor Mike a few weeks back mentioned just how many conflicts were actually going in the world at, um, in the world at this time. And I think, was it 30 or 40 wars going on in the world just right now in this, at this period of time? Diseases, we just came through COVID, they seem to be out of control at times. And there's always news of some new disease right around the corner. And a little bit closer to home, we all have personal issues that we deal with. We all have family issues, we all have health issues. Pastor Mike knows about the health issues that's going on in his family. You guys know what's going on, been going on in our family. We have a prayer list of health issues and those kind of things. Financial issues that people are struggling with. All those things are still going on. But through it all, we remember who's in control. Because through it all, our health, our finances, our struggles don't surprise God. Because he is the king of it all. He knows it all. He's been there from the beginning to the end. And so here's Moses. And he himself is writing this after all he's been through as well. After encountering God, following in his path, through the ups and downs, after conversing with him face to face, he starts the psalm with what? A reflection of of who God is. Remember that. So Moses, a great man to look up to in many respects, starts his psalm with reflection of God. 
Here's how one commentator puts it. Moses was aware, probably more than most of us, that life is uncertain at best. I might disagree there, but I think, I think a lot of us realize that. But he does say this. There's no permanence to be found in it. Nevertheless, he was also profoundly aware of God's existence. And he knew that God is the one foundation for everything. Therefore, the person who is anchored in him is eternally secure. Moreover, the one who trusts God has a secure dwelling place in him. If we're anchored in him, if he is our foundation, if he is our rock, then we have a secure dwelling place in him. What is a dwelling place? It's a refuge. It's a place where we're safe. As we venture into the new year, remember that God is that refuge. During Christmas time, many of us kind of look back on the years past and we find a lot of a lot of sentimentality and going home again and, you know, in New England, being around the fire, that kind of stuff, and doing Christmas with family and friends. That's all nice stuff, but that's all temporary. The feelings that the Christmas season brings when it comes to the highs of the lights and the kind of the trappings around it, all that's temporary because life eventually hits, right? It's pain and suffering come along. However... If our faith and our trust is in, our, in the refuge, God, he's the rock that can get us through and holds us through it all. As we see, we're called to fix our eyes upon him. What is eternal and not perishable? Fix our eyes on him, on what is eternal and not perishable. As we're going to see in the next three verses, as humans, we are frail. We perish. Stuff perishes. Stanley Cups perish, right? You guys know the, 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 the biggest trend out there right now is those little Stanley Cups, right? Not, not the big Stanley Cup for hockey, but uh, the thing that Stanley's been around for like 100 years now, but all of a sudden they're coming back into, you know, what do you call it, like popularity again. Well, iPhones are going to turn to dust one day. Stanley Cups will turn to dust. Everything vanishes unless, of course, it's us who has our hope and our security in Jesus Christ himself. And so number two is this. We put our hope in Jesus. He is eternal. God is eternal. However, we do have to realize, verses 3 to 6, that there is, that we as humans are frail. We are but dust, and our days are like a fleeting shadow. Even the longest of human lives, as seen in Genesis over 900 years, is a mere breath compared to the eternity of God, isn't it? So we must recognize our own mortality and humbly seek God's guidance. You ever go outside in the morning, and this is true in the mountain regions or in the ocean regions, and you see a mist floating around? It happens a lot in those types of regions. There's a beautiful mist in the morning. It rises, but what happens to that mist during the day? As the sun comes out, it burns off, and it's gone. As the morning progresses, as the day heats up, it disappears as though it was never there. Moses is saying that this is what our lives are like, the dust. We turn back into dust. Our lives are brief. We focus often on so much stuff that's just mundane and useless, when in the brevity of our lives, we should concentrate on the eternal. We are passing away. Life is short. For God, time doesn't pass quickly. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has gone by. 
but for us it does. I'm almost 46 years old, and it seems like just yesterday I was 18. I can remember celebrating my 20th birthday thinking, hey, I got a long way to go. Uh-oh, not anymore, right? The oldest man in the Bible lived 900 plus years. To, see, to us, that seems like an eternity. For God, it's a day. Keep that in perspective as you live your lives this new year. We're frail. Verse 12 says, number your days that you will get wisdom. And we'll talk about what that means in a minute. But we are frail. We need to recognize that going into the new year. Don't put your hope in stuff and the stuff that's just temporary that's going to pass away because we ourselves are going to pass away. Put your hope in a God that never passes away. And so God is grand. He's eternal. We're frail. The human life is like a vapor. But here's the problem. And this is what Moses reminds us of next. We see that our greatest problem isn't necessarily our frailty. But it's the fact that we're all under God's wrath. We could be frail and not under God's wrath, but there's a problem when we're frail and we are under God's wrath. We're sinners and sin is the reason we're subject to death. Look at verses 7 to 8 and 9. We are, we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. So we live all these years. We go, go, go. We do, do, do. And in the end, what's it like? Just a sigh. Just a sigh. Apart from God. And therefore, we are, as this passage points out in these verses, we are under, we need to remember this too, we are under divine discipline as a result of our sin. We face trials and tribulations because of sin. Not necessarily something that you have done, but sin in general that infects the earth. What we need to remember here is that sin is the cause of misery. So Moses is in the desert. In Numbers 20, we see him striking a rock in sin. He'd been patient, wandering the desert for almost 40 years. But because of his impatience, because he struck that rock, apart from what God wanted him to do, God tells Moses that he will never see that promised land. And we might think, well, you know, God, what, what, this is way too harsh. God, what in the world are you thinking? Well, it just shows us just how seriously God takes sin. The slightest sin, if we were just to commit sin one time in our lives and be perfect the rest of our lives, that's still enough sin to damn us to hell and be away from God for all of eternity because he's perfect and he expects perfection. But Jesus Christ, thank God, took all that upon himself, what we could not do, put it upon himself so that we can live. But here he is. Moses sinned. God takes sin seriously. And as Moses writes this psalm, he knows that firsthand, that sin always leads to death. One commentator writes this, Are you aware that sin always leads to death? To the death of what? Dreams, hopes, plans, relationships, health, and eventually even to that ultimate spiritual death that is a separation from God forever. If you're aware of this, and we all are here, right? If you're under the sound of my voice, we're all aware of this this morning. You will not treat sin lightly as many do. You will say with David, who can discern his errors? 
Forgive my hidden faults, as Psalm 19.12 points out. You will pray, keep your servant from willful sins, that they may not rule over me. You will strive to live an upright life before God. So it's clear, God does discipline, as he disciplined Moses, those who sin. But remember this, as we are disciplined for our sin. God's discipline is what? It's a reflection of his love for us. Just as we discipline our children, just as you discipline your children, discipline is necessary. It's a reflection not that you hate your kids, but that you love your children, that you want what's best for your children, that you're willing to do the hard things so that they can see God through the hard times. It's a reminder to repent. Discipline is a reminder to turn back. It's a reminder that we need his love and grace in our lives. But through it all, through the frailty, through the sin, there is hope. There is grace. There is a way to live, and we can live in an upright manner when we learn to number our days and grow in wisdom. So what does that mean? We started out with that. We've been talking about it. What does that mean? Because verse 12 says... Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's a call to seek godly wisdom in understanding every single day that we live on this brief earth. When we recognize the fleeting nature of our lives, we're compelled to live with a purpose, making the most of the time we have in Jesus Christ for who he is. We live in a fast-paced world. We live in Miami. We're always going from here to there, and it takes us forever to get anywhere, right? It's easy to become consumed by our daily routine, to be consumed by what the world is throwing at us, little Stanley mugs or iPhones or even sports, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. And again, I'm not railing on these things to rail on them. They're all, they're all good within context. I can't wait to watch the Patriots and the Jets battle for last place today. Anyway, and I know you guys, you Dolphins fans, are excited tonight. And you Bills fans are excited. Ray's up there. He's a Bills fan. That's right. They're, you got a game tonight. I'm glad it wasn't this morning because you know, there's a lot of people here. <laughs> I think it's at 8, 8, 820 tonight, right? And it's not that those things are bad. But we have to keep them in context. Here's the thing. Don't let them rule your lives. Right? If they become a God to you, repent. Ask the Lord for forgiveness and seek him. And it just doesn't, it could be anything in your life. It could be money. It could be your family. Whatever is taking the place of God in your life, whatever is becoming a God to you, whatever you, whatever you value more than God, you've got to repent of that. And you've got to put it down here because God is eternal. He is all wisdom. And that's what it means to gain wisdom. It's not just earthly wisdom we're talking about here. We're talking about spiritual, excuse me, spiritual wisdom godly wisdom and we often live as though we're just going to live forever we often live without thinking about tomorrow moses words remind us to pause and consider the fleeting nature of our existence just as a wise steward manages their resources so must we manage our time on this earth every single one of us i don't care your age start managing your time well use it for the lord And as we do it, seek God's guidance. The psalmist acknowledges that we need divine guidance to fully appreciate the value of our days. You guys know non-believers. They don't appreciate the value of their days. Believers should. 
And if they do, it's not in the context that we do. Pray that God will teach us to number our days, realizing that when I drive home today, that could be it. We just don't know. Number your days. Live them well. Don't wait for any other time but now to allow Jesus to come into your life. It's not about calculating the exact number of days we have left, which some websites will do for you. My youth director went to a few, pointed out a few websites when he was preaching um, last Sunday. A few of them are pretty, you know, depressing. Anyways, they're, they're, they're out there. They'll, you put in how your health is doing and all those kind of things, and they'll tell you, this is when you're going to die. That's not what we're talking about here, right? It's not about calculating the exact number of our days, but recognizing the importance of each moment and cherishing the time that we've been given, right? Cherish the time you've been given. Live in the moment for Jesus. And through this, we can gain a heart of wisdom. As we grow in our awareness of the brevity of life, we then seek and are called to wisdom. It's not merely intellectual knowledge, but it's a deep understanding of God's will. Now, how do we get there? Meditating on the word of God, reading the word of God, in prayer with the Lord on a daily basis, right? Family devotions, church on Sunday mornings, Sunday school classes, of which we have five great classes coming up. Yes, promotion, all right? Wednesday evenings, which we have coming up, fellowship with believers, okay? Fellowshipping with your wives and your husbands and your children, all those are ways that we can do it. That's how we gain wisdom, but you gotta be in the word of God because there is only one God and there's all sorts of other answers out there. Only one true living God and the only way you find him is by being in scripture. And as you do that, the wisdom will not be merely intellectual, but it'll actually fill you and you'll be able to live a life for Christ as we go into 2024. There's gonna be ups, there's gonna be downs. There's going to be times when you feel like, I've got it all together. And then there's going to be times when you feel like, I've got nothing at all. And that's when the community of believers is here. And like I told you, I told you all a few weeks back, you know, as Ben was going through his issues, as you guys go through issues, rely on the strength of the community of believers around you. They're here for you. I'm here for you. You guys are here for us. Enjoy that together, the fellowship of believers. And you'll gain wisdom there as well. Wisdom enables us to make the most of our time, investing in things that truly matter. Again, it's not to say that other things aren't important. I love watching the Patriots, but when it becomes a god to me, when sports or money or finance, when they become a god, even family, that's when you have to check your heart and you got to repent. So to number our days is to live with intentionality. It means setting priorities that align with our faith, our values, and the will of God. And we should ask ourselves, am I using my time in 2024 to glorify God, to impact others in a, in a positive Christ-like manner? Am I using it wisely? Am I squandering it on trivial pursuits? And ultimately, we can live this way through the power of the Spirit working within us. This is for the believer. Relying on Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross for us. That's going to be the heart of it all. And so as we reflect on these verses and as we close and as we go into communion in just a few minutes, let's remember that our lives are a gift from God. Your body is a gift from God. Your life and everything that it's around it and that consumes it is a gift from God. We're called to live with reverence for the eternal God who is our refuge. We're called to seek wisdom in all that we do. So take time today after the service to meditate on those words. 
to humble yourselves before the eternal God. As we go into 2024, to live each day with purpose and with gratitude. And we can live with gratitude even among sickness, even among those that have cancer. Even when we have financial difficulties, we can still give gratitude to God. And it's not easy to do, but we can do it because of who he is and as, that with the help of the fellowship of believers around us. As we close, I'm reminded of the hymn, Our God, Our Help in Ages Past. You guys all know that hymn? I'm sure you, we've sang it here before, so I'm sure most of you know. And it's a hymn by Isaac Watts, and it's inspired by Psalm 90. And so I just want to read the words of this hymn as we close and go to communion. It goes like this, our God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter in the stormy blast, and our eternal home. There it is, the eternality of God as we see in verses 1 to 2. Under the shadow of thy throne, thy saints have dwelt secure. Sufficient is thine arm alone, and our defense is sure. Before the hills in order stood, or earth received her frame. From everlasting thou art God, to endless years the same. So before we were, God was, right? Before this generation, God was there. Before that generation, God was there. He's been there through it all. A thousand ages in thy sight are like an evening gone, short as the watch that ends the night before the rising sun. Time, like an ever-rolling stream, bears all its suns away. They fly forgotten as a dream dies at the opening day. But then the last verse is this. O oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come. Be thou our God, our guard, while life shall last, and our eternal home. Like Moses, Watts recognized that our lives are insubstantial and fleeting. After a short duration, as Watts says, we fly away forgotten as a dream. But he also knew that believers, and this is why he opened and closed with this, and this is why Moses opens with this, and we see it in verse 12. But believers have an eternal home in God. Remember that as we go forth in 2024. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together. We thank you for Psalm 90. We thank you for all the word that we have. We ask, though, that we would read it reverently, that we would be inspired by it because it was inspired by the Spirit. Help it to affect our lives as we go forward in 2024. Not to live legalistically, Lord, but to live in grace, to live in peace and humility relying on the fact that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. He's the one that died for us. He's the one that accomplished what we couldn't accomplish. And so help us to number our days that we may find and seek wisdom in you. And for that, if we do that, Lord, you promise to give us that wisdom. You promise to send us the helper. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.